Book von Mahavirum. About 2,600 years ago, religion in India took a very ugly turn. The management of the original four classes of society, Brahmins, Kshatriyas, Vaishyas, and Shudras, had deteriorated. Brahmins were learned people and considered themselves to be very superior. The fate of Shudras, or untouchables, was terrible. They were required to serve the other castes, forever performing the most degrading tasks. They were not allowed to engage in other professions. The importance of sacrifice as a symbol of giving up and renouncing had been misconstrued, and it had taken on a very violent form. Animal sacrifices were performed regularly. People believed that these sacrifices would please the gods, and in return, their wishes would be fulfilled. This was the social and religious conditions that existed during Mahavir's time. Previous Lives The lives of Bhagavan Mahavir are counted from his life as Nayasar, when he attained self-realization, or Samyatva. Jain literature accounts indicate 27 lives of Bhagavan Mahavir. The significant lives are Nayasar, life number one, Marichi, life number three, Vishvabhuti, life number 16, Tripushtavastudev, life number 18, Priyamitra Chakravarti, life number 23, and Nandanmuni, life number 25. In the life of Nandanmuni, he attained Tirthankar Namkarma. At the end of that life, he was born a Deva. In the third life after Nandanmuni, he was born as Vardhaman Mahavir. Chaivan Kalyana Jain tradition believes that all Tirthankars are born in the Kshatriya, or warrior, royal family, because it provides an environment that helps the Tirthankar experience the fact that there is no permanent happiness in material comfort. Lord Mahavir's parents were Queen Trishula and King Siddhartha. Queen Trishula, like the mother of all other Tirthankars, saw 14 objects in her dreams as per Shvetambar tradition. The lion, elephant, bull, Lakshmi, garland, full moon, sun, flag, vase, lotus lake, ocean, celestial plain, heap of jewels, and smokeless fire. According to Digambar tradition, she also saw two additional objects, a pair of fish and a lofty throne. The next day, King Siddhartha asked the dream interpreters and scholars the meaning of the dreams. They proclaimed that Queen Trishla would give birth to a Tirthankar. While in the womb, once Bhagavan Mahavir remained still, so as not to disturb or cause any pain to his mother. Not feeling any movement, Queen Trishla was very worried that something was wrong with the baby. Realizing how worried his mother was on his behalf, he decided not to take the religious vow of renunciation and leave his family as long as his parents were alive. Janma Kalyanak, or Birth Mahavir was born in the month of Chaitra on the 13th day of the waxing moon in 599 BCE as per the Indian calendar. This day falls in the month of April and is celebrated as Mahavir Janma Kalyanak Day. He was born in the region known as Kshatriyakund or Kundalpur in the present-day state of Bihar, India. His parents were King Siddhartha and Queen Trishla. Queen Trishla was the sister of King Chetak, the king of Vaishali. There was great rejoicing in the country. Since the moment that Tirthankar's soul was conceived, there was continued enhancement in the glory, wealth, health, and fame of the kingdom, 
and respect and goodwill for the family. This is the reason the baby was named Vardhaman, which means ever-increasing prosperity. Vardhaman had an older brother named Nandivardhan and a sister named Sudarshana. Soon after his birth, Indra, the king of heavenly gods, took the baby Tirthankar to Mount Meru and performed the birth ceremony, or Janma Abhishek, with great rejoicing and celebration. After that, he returned the baby to Mother Trishula's bedside. Mahavir's Childhood There are numerous incidences of courage and forgiveness throughout Vardhaman's life as a child and adult. One day, Prince Vardhaman, a young boy of eight, was playing with his friends on the outskirts of the city. At that very moment, Indra, the king of heaven, started praising the courage and fearlessness of Prince Vardhaman. Another heavenly god challenged the statement, believing that fear is present in all humans. He decided to test Vardhaman's courage. He assumed the form of a frightening cobra and slithered near the children. All of the boys started screaming, but Mahavir stood there calmly and fearlessly. He gently caught the cobra with his hands and placed it in the grass. The god, who had failed to frighten Prince Vardhaman in the form of a cobra, decided to test his bravery once more. Assuming the form of an ordinary child, he joined the group of children and suggested racing to a target tree. The winner was to get a piggyback ride on one of the losers and return to the base. The heavenly god lost the game to Prince Vardhaman and offered to carry him on his shoulders. However, as soon as he had the prince on his shoulders, the god assumed a gigantic form. Without any fear, Prince Vardhaman gave a mighty blow to his shoulders with clenched fists. The god could not withstand the blow, and assuming his original form, bowed to the prince and returned to heaven. Indra and all the other heavenly gods hailed the victory of Prince Vardhaman and exclaimed that he was Mahavir, meaning the great hero. When Vardhaman was nine years old, his parents thought it was time to impart formal education upon him. They wanted him to learn martial arts befitting of the Kshatriya prince, so they decided to send him to school. When Vardhaman went to school, he offered his respects to the teacher, just like an ordinary child. However, after teaching the first lesson, the teacher realized Vardhaman was more knowledgeable than he was. After this, Vardhaman's schooling ended, and he returned to the palace. Diksha Kalyanak, or Renunciation As a youth, Prince Vardhaman lived a very simple and disciplined life. Although he wanted to renounce the world in search of eternal happiness, he had already decided not to leave his family while his parents were alive. At an early age, he realized that worldly happiness and pleasures do not last forever and are based mostly on the inconvenience, miseries, and unhappiness of others. He therefore planned to renounce his worldly life, his possessions, and worldly pleasures in search of true spiritual happiness. However, he knew that his parents would be very sad and hurt if he did this, so he decided not to renounce his current life while they were alive. His parents passed away when he was 28 years old. He was now ready to renounce his worldly life by giving up his family, friends, and possessions, but again postponed it for two more years at the request of his older brother, Nandivardhan. Prince Vardhaman led a very simple life for one year. When he had exactly one more year of a householder's life left, he began donating all of his belongings and wealth to the needy and to those who came to him. Every day he would donate many gold coins, jewels, precious stones, and clothes. This unique and unprecedented charity impressed upon the minds of the people that 
Charity is a double blessing. It blesses those who give as well as those who receive. At the end of the year marked by generosity, Prince Vardhaman attained perfect aparigraha, freedom from attachments and possessions. He was now fully prepared for the life of a monk. His elder brother made elaborate preparations for the initiation, and the country was filled with great excitement. Indra and other heavenly gods participated in the ceremony. Gold and silver pitchers were filled with water from various holy places. The prince was bathed with the holy waters, anointed with perfumed pastes, dressed in royal garments, and decked with precious ornaments. At an auspicious moment on the tenth day of the dark half of the month of Magashirasha, Prince Vardhaman left the palace forever in a palanquin carried by Indra and the other gods. Renunciation After alighting from the palanquin, Prince Vardhaman removed all of his garments and ornaments except a piece of cloth resting on his shoulders to cover his body. Then he stood under an Ashok tree and took the solemn vow of renunciation in the presence of thousands of people. He then plucked all the hair on his head in four handfuls and the hair on his chin and lips in one handful, known as Panchamustilok. After solemnly reciting the words, I bow down to all the liberated souls, Mahavir accepted lifelong renunciation. He took the five great vows of nonviolence, truth, non-stealing, celibacy, and non-possession in order to avoid accumulating new karma and to annihilate past karma. Right after initiation, or diksha, Mahavir acquired the manapariyaya knowledge that allowed him to perceive the feelings and thoughts of all living beings. Removal of Poverty After the renunciation, his heart was filled with equanimity and compassion. He walked with firm and steady steps toward the jungle without turning around or hesitating. On his way, he met a wiry and weak poor man, moving briskly with the help of a stick. The poor man fell at the feet of the ascetic Mahavir. Tears were flowing from his eyes, and there was an expressive pain on his pitiable face. He uttered humbly, Prince Vardhaman, have pity on this poor destitute. Remove my poverty with your kind hands. Mahavir was filled with compassion, but today he had nothing to give. He suddenly thought of the divine cloth on his shoulder. He tore it into two and gave one to the poor person. He was filled with joy. Kevalnyan Kalyanak, or Absolute Knowledge. Mahaviswami remained in deep meditation and practiced severe austerities for a period of twelve and a half years. During this meditation period, he resided in parks, forests, and deserted places and observed fasts lasting from a single day up to six months. He was saved from a whipping by a cowherd who felt that Bhagavan Mahavir had hidden his cows. Bhagavan Mahavir refused to help the the help of the angels to look after him through his meditation from similar incidences. He also faced a fierce and poisonous snake, Chandakoshik, and calmed him down with his compassionate approach. He accepted food from a housemaid, Chandanbala, to break his approximately six months long fast. He suffered peacefully when a farmer hammered nails in his ears. He endured all adverse conditions and hardships caused by rustic aborigines with patience and forgiveness. During this period, he progressed spiritually and ultimately destroyed all four destructive karmas, or gati karmas, and attained absolute knowledge on the tenth day of the bright half of the month of Vaisaka. In doing so, he realized perfect perception, 
perfect knowledge, perfect power, and perfect bliss. This realization is known as Kevonyan, or perfect enlightenment. Now, Mahavir became an Arihant and is called Bhagavan Mahavir, or Mahavir Swami. The thrones of Indra and the other heavenly gods trembled the moment Bhagavan Mahavir attained omniscience. Immediately, hosts of gods thronged there to celebrate the fourth Galyanak, or auspicious occasion. They constructed a divine assembly hall known as Samavsaran for Bhagavan Mahavir's first sermon. He delivered the first sermon at night when only the gods were present. Then Bhagavan Mahavir traveled to Bhavapuri and stayed in the garden named Mahasan. Here the gods constructed another Samavsaran hall. Sitting under the Ashok tree, Mahavir delivered a sermon in the Arda Magdi language. Bhagavan Mahavir spent the next 30 years traveling on barefoot through India, preaching the eternal truth that he had realized. He attracted people from all walks of life, rich and poor, king and commoners, men and women, princes and priests, touchables and untouchables. In matters of spiritual advancement, Bhagavan Mahavir envisioned that men and women were equal. The lure of renunciation and liberation attracted men as well as women. Many women followed Mahavir's path and renounced the world in search of ultimate truth and happiness. He categorized his followers into the fourfold order, monks or sadhus, nuns or sadvis, laymen or shravaks, and laywomen or shravikas. This order is known as the Jain Sangh. Eleven Learned Brahmins Initiated as Ganadars Bhagavan Mahavir, endowed with many atishya, or distinguished attributes, delivered a soul-stirring and heartfelt sermon in the assembly of gods, human beings, and animals. Even though a great sacrifice was simultaneously in progress in another part of the city, huge crowds were seen going in the opposite direction towards the sum of Saran. Indrabhuti of Gautam Gotra, the chief priest at the sacrifice, inquired where they were going and was told about Bhagavan Mahavir's sum of Saran. Upon hearing that it was attracting more people, his vanity was hurt, and he decided to put to test the so-called omniscience of the saint. Therefore, he decided to visit the Sam of Saran accompanied by his disciples. Mahavir called him by his name, and, without being asked, resolved his doubts about the soul, upon which Gautam, along with his five hundred disciples, accepted monkhood. Hearing this, the remaining ten learned scholars at the sacrifice came to the Sam of Saran, and, upon having their secret doubts resolved, accepted initiation with 4,400 disciples. In this way, Mavir established the fourfold sung and preached the path to liberation. Eleven learned Brahmins became his principal disciples known as Ganadars. Bhagavan Mahavir's last sermon at Bhavapuri and Liberation During the 30 years of his life as Tirthankar, Bhagavan Mahavir preached his gospel of Ahimsa to millions of people and initiated thousands of disciples into monkhood. At the age of 72, he came to Bhavapuri to spend his final monsoon season in the year 527 BCE. In the month of Ashwin, he observed a two-day fast, taking neither food nor water. Sitting in the lotus posture on a golden lotus, he delivered his last and longest sermon, which lasted for 48 hours before the fourfold sunk. This sermon was later compiled in the Jain scriptures and is known as Uttarayadhyan Sutra. Nirvana Kalyanak 
or liberation. At the age of 72 in 527 BCE, Bhagavan Mahavir attained nirvana and his purified soul left his mortal body and achieved complete liberation. He became a siddha, a pure consciousness, a liberated soul, living in a state of complete bliss forever. This event, known as nirvana, occurred on the last day of the Hindu and Jain calendar. We celebrate it as Diwali or Dipavali, the festival of lights. In the early morning of the new moon night, Bhagavan Mahavir's remaining four types of non-destructive karma, or agati karma, were destroyed. And thus, with all the eight karmas completely annihilated, his soul soared high, reached the pinnacle of loka, and went to the permanent abode of siddhas, never to return again. And thus Bhagavan Mahavir achieved the highest goal, liberation. Funeral Rites Performed by Heavenly Gods and Human Beings At the time of Bhagavan Mahavir's nirvana, 18 rulers of various states were present. When the light of his knowledge was extinguished from the world, they lit numerous earthen lamps, beginning the tradition of the festival of lights known as Dipavali or Diwali. Upon Bhagavan Mahavir's achieving the fifth Galyana, Indra and the other gods flew down to earth to celebrate. They bathed his body with holy waters, applied sandal paste, dressed the body in rich garments, and adorned it with a crown and other ornaments. He was carried in a palanquin. Millions joined the procession to pay their last homage. There was solemn music accompanied on a musical instruments, and the palanquin was placed on a pyre of fragrant sandalwood. After the final prayers were offered, the fire was lit. Later, perfumed water was sprinkled to extinguish the fire, and the gods carried the molars and the bones to heaven. Bhagavan Mahavir's sermons were compiled orally by his immediate disciples in twelve books in the form of sutras. These books are called the Anga Agam Sutras. Later, several learned acharyas compiled many more books to further explain the Anga Agam Sutras. All these books are called Agams or Agam Sutras and are considered the scriptures of the Jain religion. These Agam Sutras were passed on orally to future generations of ascetics, although over the course of time some of the Agam Sutras were lost. Approximately 1,000 years later, the memorized Agam Sutras were organized and recorded on tadpatris, or palm leaves used as paper, to preserve records for future references. Bhagavan Mahavir preached that the right faith, the right knowledge, and the right conduct or Samyat Darshan, Samyat Nyan, and Samyat Charita, together form the real path to get rid of karmas which are attracted to the soul. At the heart of right conduct lie the five great vows, Ahimsa or non-violence, Satya or truthfulness, Acharya or non-stealing, Brahmacharya or celibacy, and Aparigraha or non-attachment. Jains hold these vows as the guiding principles of their lives. These vows can be fully implemented only with the acceptance of the philosophy of non-absolutism, or anikanthvat. Monks and nuns follow these vows strictly and totally, while shravaks and shravikas follow the vows as far as their ability and desire permits. The ultimate objective of his teaching was how to attain total freedom from the cycle of birth and death and achieve a permanent blissful state. This blissful state is also known as liberation, or nirvana, the absolute freedom, or moksha. This state is achieved when we get rid of all our karmas. 
we accumulate negative karma through our vices such as anger, ego, deceit, and greed. Under the influence of karma, the soul seeks pleasure in materialistic belongings and possessions. This is the deep-rooted cause of selfishness, anger, hatred, greed, violent thoughts and deeds, and other such vices. These result in further accumulation of karmas. If the principles of Jainism are properly understood and faithfully adhered to, they will bring contentment, inner happiness, and joy in the present life. This will elevate the soul in future reincarnations to a higher spiritual level, ultimately achieving perfect enlightenment. Significant Points of the Teachings of Bhagavan Mahavir Mahavir Swami made religion simple and natural and free from elaborate ritual complexities. His teachings reflected the internal beauty and harmony of the soul. Mahavir Swami taught the significance of human life and stressed the importance of a positive attitude in life. Bhagavan Mahavir's message of nonviolence, truth, non-stealing, celibacy, and non-attachment is a full of universal compassion. Bhagavan Mahavir said, A living body is not merely an integration of limbs and flesh, but it is the abode of the soul which has potential for infinite knowledge, infinite perception, infinite happiness, and infinite power and energy. Mahavir's message reflects the freedom and spiritual joy of living beings. Mahavir Swami emphasized that all living beings, irrespective of their size, shape, form, and level of spiritual development, are equal, and that we should love and respect them all. In this way, he preached the gospel of universal love. Mahavir rejected the concept of God as a creator, protector, and destroyer of the universe. He also denounced the worshipping of gods and goddesses as a means of material gain and personal benefit. 